So we're going to be talking about, I just last minute grabbed this whiteboard. Um, you'll f- see why here in a second. Um, but we talked about, we've been talking about the kingdom culture values. And for the, I'm just, I'm just going to cut you guys up because you guys don't know what we've been talking about. So that's okay. Um, we've been talking about these kingdom culture values. And we talk about this. If you think about your home, it has a culture. There's a certain things. But if you go to another home, you're like, this is, this, is diff- this is different than us. This is different the way we eat. You know, different food or different way. Or like maybe it's TV dinners and maybe it's, maybe it's just whatever. Like, and then you go into different countries. It's a different culture. So it's really cool to get to know people in their different cultures. But here's the thing. We're called to not look like Americans. We're not called to look like Britons or anybody else. We're not called to that. Wherever we are from does not necessarily mean that's what we're, a culture that we're living in. Um, so for us, since we t- we're claiming Jesus' kingdom, we're talking about Jesus' kingdom and what he's called us to do. And he talked about his kingdom come, his will be done. What is that? What does that look like? And so we talk about the kingdom culture. He has a culture of his own. We've talked about joyful repentance. You know, in an age of where it's, it's, you know, you, it's either we're too prideful to ask for forgiveness or it's got to be one of those things where you got to get kicked in the shins and made feel really, really, really bad to say it. And when you do say it, you still feel like there's acid in your... You know, it's an acidic feeling of like, I don't want to say sorry. It feels so awful. It's like, no, we joyfully get to turn and repent and repent to God and go back to and pursue righteousness, happy holiness. We talk about happy holiness, like pursuing God and, and throwing things aside. Like we want to be made pure when we sanctify. We want, to, we want to pursue God with all we are. We don't want to, you know, see how close we can get to sin or how almost close to God we can get. We want to embrace God. We want to say, God, I'm pursuing you with everything that we are, that I am. And we talked about, oh, gosh, so many. Do you guys remember any of them? I know I'm asking on the spot here, but do you guys remember some of them that, that's been sticking out to you? Quiz time. <laughs> We've been doing it for a few months, so if you remember any of them, some of them, I, I, I don't blame you for forgetting any of them. I know Kathy spoke on one. That's a good hint. Unoffendable heart. We talked about the S, unoffendable heart. Who likes to be offended? I mean, not really anybody. Some of us like to. I don't think it's a professional sport. But there, we have, not that we try, but sometimes we just get so offended. We hold things in our heart. And God does not call us to be offended, but he calls us to forgive and to walk in love and mercy. Now, does that mean we get to be best friends with those who have hurt us? No. But the wonderful thing is now that maybe you can love that person better. And that's the point. It's not about being, like, being best friends and doing things. It's about being in joyful repentance. It's about going back to the rightness with God because now you're not holding offense. You're not letting any root of bitterness come in and, and destroy anything that God's doing in your heart. So there's just a lot of them. There's, I mean, there's, there's happiness and holiness. There's joyful repentance. There's uh, unoffendable heart. There's just Jesus and the gospel message. There's a lot of them. But if you want to find out more, there are notes out there that are on, like, I think the ledge there that you can find that go through all of them, that including the ones we're going to be going through. So I encourage you to read them. It's good Bible study time. All right. So today we're talking about stewardship and excellence. I got to practice looking at this TV because I always look behind me. So I'm going to practice today. Um, we talk about uh, what is called stewardship and excellence. What is that? Um, it's, as believers, we recognize that everything we have is a gift from above. God has given us both the privilege and responsibility to care for the things entrusted to us until he returns. From our emotions, thoughts, our physical bodies, relationships, ministries, abilities, resources, possessions, all of these are a gift 
we, le- we live free from comparison with the knowledge that everything we do is for his eyes only. We aim to steward the gifts in our life with excellence in order to get the pleasures of one day hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. We're going to be covering a few passages. Um, I mean, usually I've got like think little small passages, but it's going to be a majority of Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and uh, Colossians 23, uh, 3, 23, and 24. So uh, Matthew 5, uh, 25. Oh, yeah, there we go. Now you can read what I said. <laughs> um, but that's, isn't that a good definition? It's like, man, Lord, I long to hear that. Do you long to hear that good, well done, good and faithful servant? That's like, would you hate to hear the opposite? Like, wow, what are you doing with here? We'll hear what he does, says about that. The other thing is what we hate to hear. We hate to hear. Like when your parents come home and you're supposed to be responsible for a lot of things and you didn't do it, you really love when you hear your parents say, wow, you did such a good job. Wow, way to go. You hate to hear the opposite of that. Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, what were you doing? Wow, this is a mess. Um, you don't want to hear that, but you long to hear God. You, know, you want to hear the praise, not because we do it for praise, but we do it for the praise of one, for God, to see what we're doing, what he's called us to do. So, uh, so Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a, long, uh, let's see, after a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, I, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money in my, in, on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever has does not have even when they have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw this wor- that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a pretty intense start for the day. Man, we are called to steward these things. Do you notice a few things? There's, there's this idea. There's a few things I'm just noticing that we're called to steward. So every one of these people, like, 
he's trying to relate to it. We're all stewards, right? What, are, what is it that we're stewarding? I'm going to actually write a few of these down because I want us to reemphasize in our mind what it is that you're saying. So I'm going to write down what you say. Now, if you can read it, that's up to you. Or, well, up to me, actually, really, because if I'm a bad handwriting, you know, it's on me. So I'm going to ask you for a few answers. So what is some things that we're stewarding? Time? Well, uh, what was that one? Um, money? Yeah, homes, yes. I know, there's a lot, like the little things, it's like, wait. And then you probably think of one, like, really midway of what I'm talking and blurted it out, like, hey, I thought of one. Um, okay, just even if you look at this, like, generally, this applies to everybody. Because this isn't just like, you know, we all have time. We all have gifts. We all have spiritual blessings. We all have money. We all, have, we all deal with the environment. We all have mental, we, we all think we have, we have to take care of that. We care for our, for our bodies. Now, some of them, like, you know, we, some of us don't have marriages, and that's okay. That's not to say, like, anything against those who do or those who don't. It's just to say there's, but there's also relationships. I think it's really important that we watch out for the people that are in our lives, the, you know, whether it's the children, the friends, the family, or the pets. You know, you've got your, you know, your mother-in-law, you've got your people in your life that you've got, that they're there. Um, your homes, most of us have homes. Some of us have apartments, and that's okay, but some of us have to care for the apartments that were been given. Don't take it for granted that somebody's going to fix it up for us later because, I mean, that is something that, well, you know, as a, who, a person who worked for my dad who owned properties, I can testify that people don't take care of their apartments. So, unfortunately, um, or circles of trust, like who we trust, it's a very important, and, you know, stewardship, you know, stewarding that well. Um, you know, ambassador, like, you know, what we get revelation that God shows us to share that with people. There's a lot of things. So I'm going to scooch this so you can see my notes after this. Uh, let's see if I can do this. I'm going to try. Oh, did you find one? Oh. Relationship with Christ. Yes. Yes. Ooh, there. I think prayer. Would you say that? I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, we do. And this is not to belittle anybody. It's one of those things where, like, you know, every time you say, oh, I'm going to pray for you, I'll pray for you. Ask yourself, did you? I've, I, convi- I feel convicted a lot by that. If I don't pray for people a lot of times right away when I'm with them, it's not going to happen. I have to write out my whiteboard. Otherwise, it will not happen. It just is unfortunate because it's so important to me that I see those faces, see those names, and I pray for them. But if I don't, just don't take for granted that you thought about praying. Thinking about praying is not prayer. It's just not. It's a relationship with God. It's calling and asking things. And when you start seeing, I think when you, I'm not trying to break this thing. Let's see if I can swivel. Swivel. All right. Is that good for everybody? So you can still see it, but still see that. Okay. Just want to make sure. Hopefully this doesn't fall down. And while you're looking at these things, like every time when we talk about these things, look through here. Ask God to highlight things here. Like you're saying, okay, I see callings. Ooh, I feel convicted. <laughs> like, why, am I really hitting my calling? We're going to talk about some things here where we're not going to make you, I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to make you feel bad. That's not my goal. My goal is to empower you, to encourage you, to keep going. God has called you to one of the things. A lot of these things are in your life. Some of them are not. But if you think about family or people, everyone has family somewhere. And if you don't call uh, your family family, you call friends family. And that's, that is family. I find myself calling uh, my friends family more than I find my family family. 
Just because it is just that way. Because they're around you, they feel more familiar. They know you. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't remind you of all the dumb things you've done. But also, they'll call you out on, your, on the carpet. They'll convict you, encourage you, and edify you to, and speak life into you. So I find that as a more of a family dynamic. But at the same time, I love my family. So, um, so we're all stewards. That is some things we're stewarding. There might be things you'll think of later. You're like, oh, I wish I would have said this or whatever. But we covered a lot. I can't think of any, honestly, right now. But some of the things I was thinking about was actually, I guess, time, money, family. I was thinking for me, like the church family that I have, uh, like stewarding that well, encouraging each other. Um, you know, that is partly work because there's parts of the things that, I, that are work. They're just work for me. It's, 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 it's a part of nature. Everything's work at one point. Do I get mad that I have to work? I actually am grateful I get to work. That's something I love doing. But if I just do the work without the relationship, the church family that I include in my life and become friends with and just encourage and know that my brothers and sisters in Christ are who you are, then I'm missing out. So I have to steward both of those things well. And my spiritual giftings, I have to, I have to really steward that well. Um, you know, times that um, money has been mentioned in the Bible is 140 times. Um, time. That's a fickle one. We, we, we see it go by, and we regret everything that we missed. And we see it, and we keep looking backwards, but we stop looking forward to what God has. We look with regret what, what God hasn't done, that we miss what God is still doing in our lives. And so I think time is so important to acknowledge and look at. Um, but it's mentioned 26 times in the Bible. That's not including the month. That's not including the year or the day. The day is mentioned 2,352 times. Uh, the month is referred to 250 times, and the year is 834 times. So time is important in the Bible. Uh, family is mentioned several times. Um, they, you know, Ephesians 6, um, I'm going to highlight just a few points. Uh, 6, 1 through 11, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's talking about stewarding your relationship with your parents well. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Because it, you know, it says that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. And it's important for us as fathers, this is, you know, for us dads that we're trying to love on our kids well, do not exasperate your children. That's a really important thing because sometimes we either do one thing or the other. We either spoil, spoil them or we're strict on them. And sometimes it's that fine balance of loving them really well, but also holding a line and trying to figure out where that is and trying to figure out how to train them up well but not making them ticked off. Now, they're responsible, they're, they're responsible because they're supposed to obey us, right? It's, it's a give and take. It's not just parents, stop making your kids mad, and kids, you get away with it. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, kids, you've got to step up to this. You've got to obey your parents even if you're mad. So um, let's see here. Yeah, and it talks about slaves, which, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out what slaves in the Bible, but I think it's important to acknowledge and not ignore the word. It is slavery. Slaves were different back then. They weren't great. We don't like slavery. We do not like that at all. But slaves were different back then. They had a different purpose. It was work. There's a point where, um, but it, there's a lot of people that were slaves. But if you think about your life right now, you are a slave to a lot of different things. Do you have to go to a job? Most of us have to go to a job. Do you get a choice on whether you get money or not? If you have to go. Whether you're a slave. I mean, I've even seen people who are living in, they can't get a job because they have, you know, the government's giving them money. They have, they're slave to the government now. We're slave at some point or one way or another in the spectrum. We are a slave to our family. That doesn't mean we're in bondage. 
but we are bound to our family. We are bound to our job. We are here to call to do things. So he talks about it, like when you're working at your job, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not to only win their favor, not to win their favor when their eyes on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as you were serving the Lord, not people. And I can keep going on, and then it talks about how people who are employers, how you should do it. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Love them. Do not threaten them since that, you know, don't let threaten to fire them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, there is no favoritism with them. God is calling us to a different standard, to steward things well. Where we are in life, steward it well. Um, I'm going to go on. It, it explains it really good in, um, let's see, Colossians 3, 23, 24. Whatever you do, is that everything? Do you guys do things? Whatever you do in here, with your relationships, with people at your, at your church, people in your family, things the way you take care of your home, whatever you do, that's everything, because you do stuff, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. When you change diapers, it is for, it's for Jesus. It is not for your kids. It's not for your wife or husband. It's not for that. It's, you're doing it as unto the Lord. When you wash dishes unto the Lord, man, I love, I forget, I think it was Brother Andrew. He talked about it. He said, I feel the delight of the Lord when I wash the dishes. He was this monk. He lived in and he's just working and serving and cleaning the floors and doing all these things. And like, he just feels, he's talking about, he feels the delight of the Lord while he washes dishes. When was the last time I said that about <laughs> washing the dishes? I think I've complained several times, but like, Lord, am I doing it as unto you? Because if I'm doing it for you, you're delighting in it because you're the only one that notices that I'm actually doing it for you. Because you're like, oh, I loved how you did that, how you served and did this. And when you serve your mom and you serve your dad and you serve one another, you're serving as unto the Lord, not for them. But they're getting the benefit. So we're stewarding. We're called to steward. And again, we're, we're called to steward our bodies. We're called to steward all these things. In Romans 2, 1 through 11, it says, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That, this is your true and proper worship. We're not called to work like we work in everyone else. If you look around you, you can find, I love the spirit of comparison. That's usually what happens. And I think that actually kind of places a really huge factor in this whole story of the, the, the person who did not do what God called him to do because he compared what he had and he compared to what he thought about God, the, his master at that point. So he's comparing. The spirit of comparison, do not conform to this world. If you look around you at your job, do you know... Who knows the laziest person at their job? Raise your hand. Like, do you guys, who was their job? I know, well, I mean, I, I'm probably the laziest person because I work, from, work with me, so. Um, <laughs> but like, you know that lazy person. And whenever you're like, well, at least I'm not that guy. At least I'm not that girl. At least I'm, I'm better than them. Like, man, are you conforming to this idea of at least I'm not? Like, no, God, you've called me to a higher standard. I work as onto you. The comparison ends there. You work as on for the Lord. You work with excellence. That's why when I, I love, I'm going to shout out Fred again. When he's done with his tasks for the day, which happens to be pretty early in the day, 
It might be mid of the day, but he's got still several hours. He could technically just sit around and waste the clock away and get paid. Or he could ask Holy Spirit, reveal something to me that I can do, some way I can serve. I love that he brought that up because I was like, wow, that's such a different way of thinking. No, not a lot of us like to do that because that means you have to keep working. <laughs> you know, you want to sit, you want, you've done your deal, you've done the things, you've checked off the boxes, but I'm more, if I'm working on the Lord, I think differently. I'll go the extra mile. I'll walk with him too. I will do the extra. And it's important as we all see each other as one body in Christ. It's, um, let's see here. Verse 4. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so we, and in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, well, then prophesy in accordance to your, with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, and I love how he steps it up, give generously. He's trying, he's trying to compare, like, don't just teach. He's like, teach generously. Teach. He's, he's trying to show the standard. If it is the lead, then do it diligently. It's not just do, it's to do it well. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, we can show mercy, but also we can kind of weep and mourn and, you know, and feel bad for ourselves for all the love and mercy we've shown other people. And, but he's like, no, I don't want you to do it with just like this little, oh, I showed mercy and they just hurt me. It's like, no, I'm not. Are you showing mercy with godly love? Show it cheerfully. Like, it's like the fasting. It's like, don't fast as those who, are, who walk in the streets and just look so miserable when they do it. It's like, no, he said, do it in secret. They don't know it. I served. I don't even care. I love that person. They totally ripped me off. They totally stole my money. They totally did this. I showed them mercy, and not only just mercy, I did it cheerfully. That's hard. That's a different level. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And to be, to be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I like that verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal. Some of us get burnt out because we don't see what God is doing. So we get burnt out. We get tired. He's like, no, but keep your spiritual fervor. Keep going. Don't get tired. It's easy as we get older to get tired, to get burnt out. He's calling us to keep serving the Lord fervently. Fervently. That's, that's a pretty intense word, fervently. So I think one of the areas we struggle with this is paralysis, par, paralysis by analysis. I think that was what Jim said. I love that you said that phrase. And it's just, it was a good, it was like, yes, that's, that's apt. We get paralyzed by what we want to do. Like, oh, I, I got a calling, but what is it? I can't possibly even step into it because unless I get all the steps right and I'm perfect, and I, I've got to do it just right. Otherwise, I can't do it at all. I just won't do it at all. That's neglecting your gift. That doesn't mean you're called to teach. Go teach with a bunch of, you know, thousands of people and just try, try it on them. That means start teaching the person next to you and showing them how to do that. You're, it doesn't matter your gifting your capacity can always change, right? You could have thousands. You can have one. You could just be with your little tiny baby. You could be with your grandma. You could be with anybody. 
But it doesn't matter if, if you're not practicing it. Practice it. We analyze and analyze what we should do to the integrate, and God's going to get mad if I don't do it right, and he's going to just crush me and persecute me and destroy me because I blew it. He's like, no, is that the God we serve? No, he calls us higher. In fact, he's irritated. He's irritated with the one who didn't even bother investing. He's like, why didn't you at least invest? If you thought that's, if you really believe this about my character, that I am really this cruel guy that expects way too much of you, which by the way, it is impossible without him. If you really understood that that's my nature, you would have at least invested. You at least tried, but you didn't even try. You got paralyzed and you hid it. You hid it. You wasted your time with it. And now you don't even have it anymore. You lost it. And now you're mourning. Now you're gnashing your teeth. You're feeling very, very regretful. So I want to encourage us, not with excellence, we do with excellence, not perfection. There's a big difference. You can be excellent at what you do, but not perfect. Perfection calls us to arrive immediately to that thing. And if we don't do it perfectly, then forget it. You have to do it with excellence. Like, I, mean, I know you've been doing woodworking, woodworking and different things. Like, can I ask you, how well was your first project? Was it pretty good? Or would you be like, I would have dev, but I, did you see per- imperfections in it? A lot of, a few? Yeah? It's beautiful, but imperfect. And that's what's wonderful. You, but you, did you do it with excellence? I would never expect nothing less from David. So uh, he, you move with excellence, but it is one of those things where we kind of, we miss the mark. I like doing things that were, you know, when you look back 10 years, you're like, oh, that was cute. But you did it with excellence. And during that time, you really worked hard on it. It felt really hard, but it was so rewarding. But back a few years ago, like a few years later, you're like, wow, that was like, that's a piece of cake now. But you had to start somewhere. You had to start somewhere. So I think what holds, us, what holds us back from stepping out, like doing something, maybe it's your giftings. Maybe it's trusting people. What holds you back? What holds you back from stewarding things well? And I'm just asking you guys. Fear. Trust. What was, I heard something over here. Limited emotional resources. Embarrassment. What's that? Shyness, Yeah. There's a, I, I know like they talk about fear of man, like fear of like what they'll think of you. Anything else? The enemy. He likes to build us up for failure before, long before we've even failed. It's like, you're going to blow this. You're going to mess it up. And we haven't even messed up yet. And then we quit. We're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to just mess it up. No, it's like, you haven't even tried. Please fail. Please try failing. I'd love to see you fail a little bit. It's okay, because guess what? I'm going to fail. You're going to fail. We're all going to fail at one point or another, and praise God for the grace and mercy that gets us back up the next, that very moment and says, brush it off, try again. And you have people around you that speak into you and say, good job. That's why we mutually come together and encourage one another to good works, to spur one another on. That's why we do this. I, I, we don't do this for a show. We don't do this for the nice music. We do this to spur one another on. When we go to life group, same thing's happening. Spur one another on. Go, go, go. I love when I hear testimonies. I love when I hear stories of like, hey, how'd it go last week? How'd it go? We're like, and went great. Good job. You know, encouragement. We need that. Now, did you do it perfectly? Probably not. Guess what? It didn't matter. You did it with excellence. So I want to make sure. I think we didn't, if we don't understand God's character, I think that's what, 
I was looking at the servant. I think there's a few things. I, I don't think I understood God's character. I think we misplaced God's character, that he is a God that goes, just says, well, I knew you were going to blow that, you failure. I'm not, I'm not sure if you feel that, but sometimes I think you might, if you acknowledged it and actually said the things that are kind of in your head out loud, you'd be kind of shocked at what you say, or hearing, what you're thinking. You'd be really shocked. Like, because is that God's character? Because when you start reading the word, then you find out, no, it's not true at all. That's not what he thinks about you. He calls us higher. And sometimes I look at the servant again, and I say, okay, well, you know, do you think he didn't have enough to offer? Because, you know, there's the ten, there's the five, there's the two, and then there's the one. You get one gift. You get one talent. Which talent is like, you know, it's, it's, it's money. It's, you know, I, I, I say talents. I think, I think we've been given gifts. Like the Holy Spirit, I think it was, Dee was pointing that out because I think I was sharing about talents. And it's like, wait, hold on. What do you mean by that? But it's like talents. God gives us giftings. God gives us family. All of these are the Lord's, remember? This is all God's. This is never ours in the first place. But we are called to be stewards of these things. Even our spiritual giftings, even our talents are not ours. God created us uniquely, so it's not even ours anyway. But we're called to steward it well. Now, what if you had just one gift, one talent? Man, is that enough? Like, and you see other people, that, that, then you start doing the comparison game. You're like, well, this person's really gifted. I don't know. I, I couldn't do it like them. I can't tell you how much I despise that phrase. I could never do it like them. And I'm saying this because I love you. If you ever say it, I love you. I want to make sure I just don't want to condemn you because you say these things, because I say these things. I could never do it like whoever. You know what? Good. Don't do it like them because you are you. God created you uniquely and wonderfully. So call, ask God, like, what did you call me to do? What do I look like? What, how do I fit in this picture? And comparing your talents, because I think that's what he did. He compared his talents with the others. Like, wow, he gave them a lot. I couldn't possibly make a big difference with my one talent. Let me just hide it. And at least he'll get it back. He'll be happy he'll got it back. It's like, no, he wants investment. He wants you to trust his character that the process is he's called us to steward it, to multiply it. So if we just survived to the end of our life and never multiplied or invested, we have failed. We have failed as stewards. God wants us to invest, to steward our lives well. That means pray. Like, I love Mary. You pray in the morning. Like, you could see that as wasted time from any other standpoint, but it's prayer that's investment, Mary. You pray, you you read the Word of God for, was it like two hours? Read the Word of God. Two hours, you're praying. Wow. That's not wasted time. You could be wasting your time doing whatever you want to do, but that's the time you invest into the Lord because it's sweet and it's powerful. I mean, we, we think so little of prayer. I think that was a great point. We so, think so little of prayer, like God's not going to do anything. But here's the thing. Whatever we do, Whatever we do, whether we sit by ourselves and we're praying or reading the word, we do it with all of our hearts as working, as reading for the Lord, as praying to the Lord, not for human masters. No one matters. It just matters about the eye of one, his perception of us. Who is looking at us? It's him. He's the only one that cares. He's the one that we should be concerned that cares about the things that we're doing. Because we receive the inheritance. Since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
I'm not sure if I'm going to finish my last point because I had three points, but, and I think, I, hopefully you guys got all the notes. Did you guys, if you didn't get the notes, let me know um, because I, I'm, trying to send, I'm trying to get the day before even, I'm trying to get better at it. Um, but it, it was very just, um, so let me know if you didn't get it. Uh, I'll get your email and I'll send it to you. But Daniel, I think about Daniel. Daniel, man, I'll tell you what, he is not in the circumstance I'm envious of. He's not. He was a man that was plucked out of Israel. Israel was decimated, destroyed, and dispersed. And then here comes Nebuchadnezzar and taking all these, these young men, these wonderful young men, and just placing them as, as servants and slaves in his kingdom. And, and so Daniel's there, and he's shining. He does the little things. It's not the big things. Sometimes it's just the little things like choosing a diet. Like he decided, God, you've called me to eat this way. I feel like this is the right way. I'm going to stick with what you've called me to do. It seems simple, and it seems kind of honestly ridiculous, but that caused such a change in the way people perceived him because if he looked unhealthy at the end, guess what? They're, you know, whoever's in charge of these guys is going to get in trouble because he wants to, they want to make sure they have a good diet. They want to make sure that they're looking healthy. Anyway, so he did everything with excellence, and he kept rising, and he kept rising in the ranks. He kept rising in the ranks of what, what God could do and where he was and where God placed him. I mean, even to the fact that it says, because uh, they're asking, they're trying to figure out who, I think this is actually the point where um, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he's trying to figure out what on earth do I do? And then, of course, you know, somebody of really great influence talks to the king and says, there is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father and the king, made him chief of the magicians and enchanters and Chaldeans and astrologers. I think actually this is his son, so I apologize. Um, Because an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams. Explain riddles. I love that. An excellent spirit. He has an excellent spirit. How, I want that said of me. You have an excellent spirit. Behind your back, you don't even know what you're doing. It doesn't even matter if you got the praise. But to be said that you have an excellent spirit because people will put you in places. I'm not saying it's about positions. It's not about authority and titles. Daniel did not care about the titles. He cared about what God thought of him one-on-one at all times. And every time it came to who mattered, the voices in his head, whatever people were telling him to do, the authority, the kings, it did not matter. He said, I'm doing what God has called me to do. It's about me and my relationship with him. That means he could go into the lion's den and come out alive. That means he, I mean, again, he, he not only did it for himself, but he actually encouraged brothers in Christ. Well, they were brothers in Christ at that point, but they were brothers in Christ because they were walking in obedience Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there's a reason why they could walk into the fire and come out unharmed. It's because it was for the audience of one. It was not for the audience of whoever was the loudest, whoever was the most strongest, the most totalitarian. It didn't matter the influence that anybody else had or the peer pressure that came along. They were stewarding the relationship with God well and doing it as unto the Lord. And I think it's so important that we don't despise giftings. I really want to ask Holy Spirit, to reveal, if you don't know what your giftings are, I think that's important. I think it's very important to ask the Holy Spirit, like, what am I gifted at? What are my talents? Whatever. Ask him. 
Because he's, he's not a mean God that doesn't want to give you something or help you steward something well. But if you, engage, if you are concerned about what he thinks of you, man, that's so much better. Because it says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I won't discourage you from gifts ever. I encourage you, find them, discover them. Because God gives good gifts. He's a good father. He gives good gifts to his children. He does do that. But yet, I will show you the most excellent way. That's the way of love, loving one another. That's the 1 Corinthians 13 love chapter. We talk about loving, not keeping records of wrong. Loving in such an excellent way. Oh, man, I've got one more point. I'm, I've, I don't want to hold you guys too long, but this is, it's important that we realize that so we, we're all called to steward, right? That's the first point. Second point, do with excellence, not perfection. And the last point is satisfied, but not complacent. We need to be not complacent. We become complacent way too often. It's okay to be happy and satisfied with where God's put us, but don't become complacent there. That means you could be a janitor for the rest of your life, being very satisfied with where God's put you, doing things with excellence unto the Lord, but not complacent where you're like, well, this is just my lot in life. I just check out. I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm doing with excellence, but I'm checking out. No, he says, keep going. If you end up and staying at the very end of your life, you're still the same position. That's not bad. But if you did with excellent as in the Lord and you're not complacent, and you're always seeking opportunities to grow, that's important. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I mean, it's talking about things, but I think it's, it's about giving, but also He's also calling us to excel, excel at things. Don't become complacent. Become excellent at what God has put in your life. Become excellent and excellent in your craft, excellent as a parent, excellent as a grandparent, excellent in everything that you do. Whatever God has called you to do, do it with the spirit of excellence. Because honestly, we don't do it. We think about what is Philippians 4, 8. We, we think about whatever is true. It's not because we're doing it for the people who are above us, you know, would you do things differently if the president walked in? I don't care your stance on the president. But if you walked in, the president of the United States came in, or a king, you know, the king or queen of England, whatever that is, like when they came in, would you do things differently? Would you shape up? Would you clean your house if they came over? You'd feel a little differently. The stewardship, the things that come, the way you talk to your kids the way you talk to your friends. You would talk a little kinder sometimes. <laughs> you might say things, less things of, you would say things differently. The food that you prepare, the way you prepare the food would be different. Everything changes when somebody of authority, somebody of influence, somebody you respect and honor comes in to your home. It changes. You change. God has called you. He is the God of all creation the God who loves us and desires us, King of, King of kings, and he's created, and every star has a name, and we treat him like what? That's what he's asking. He's not, it's not shame and obligation, but he's like, if you knew who I was, he's like, like, he didn't say, he didn't doubt. He didn't say, by the way, I do expect you to invest where it's almost impossible. He didn't say, that. he didn't discredit the guy for saying the things that he said about, remember the master? He didn't, he didn't discredit 
what the, the servant said. He emphasized it. He's like, if you did believe that, then why didn't you do something about it? If that is me, if, if you're saying that's about me, which it is about him. He is king of kings. He expects things. He expects us to step out. But there's grace. There's mercy. He's like, invest. It's sweet. It's investment. It's wonderful. Don't forget to multiply what you've called, God's called you to do. So think, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, and anything is excellent. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How to do that with that? Do it with no- nobility. Do it with rightness, with purity, with love. Serve your wonderful kids. Serve your wonderful grandkids. Serve each person in your life. Praise God you get to the steward the friendships that you have with excellence. So we've written down these things. I really just, I, I'm going to stop here. This is where I'm ending. I just want you to, for a few minutes, we're going to, I'm just going to twinkle around the piano for a few minutes and just pray. I just want to honor, like, Lord, what is it that I'm stewarding here? And how well am I stewarding it? This isn't con- condemnation. There's freedom in revealing what God wants for you. There's a freedom. He's like, I'm inviting you in. I'm not shutting you out. I have these gifts right now. These could be taken away from me. You have kids, you have kids for only a short time. If you have people in your life that are parents and friends and whatever, you have that for a short time. If you have a job, you have it for only limited amount of time. You're not going to live forever. Steward these well. So pray. I just want to pray for a few minutes. We're just, I'm just going to let you meditate. I'm just going to play some music for a few minutes. I just want you to pray. If you want to do communion, and say, Lord, I just, I mean, I just feel like that's where I need to repent. I feel like this is something I'm not walking in. Like, I urge you to do communion. It's so important. If there's something that you're holding, something you're not stewarding a relationship well, it's good to steward that relationship well. So I just want to encourage you, just ask Holy Spirit, reveal to me where I'm, I'm missing the mark. Invite me in. How can I start caring for this well? How can I start doing this better? Not because... I'm afraid of you, but God, because I long to please, your, please you. I long to see you say, well done, good and faithful servant. My emotions, my emotional health, my body, everything that I do, help me to steward it well. Not for any man, man's praise, but for the praise of you, for the delight of you.